Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us today, every day. You know, folks, we hear at least once a week from someone, from the Dems, the Rhinos, or the corporatist media outlets, that we shouldn't be talking about the 2020 election. But let me just clear up some of that nonsense, because we're being inundated with their lies, their disinformation campaign still, that they've been running for a year and a half. And we've learned a lot since the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, declared it was a secure election. No hacking, no problem. No surprise, all that was a lie. And there have been many more lies. So here are if you will forgive me, the three biggest lies about 2020. And I really think it's important for everyone to keep these three in mind. Here they are, from bad to worst. The first big lie, Chris Krebs, the DHS official in charge of election security, declared right after the 2020 election that the election had been, quote, the most secure in history, end quote. Here's the fact. It wasn't a secure election. We learned last year that the FBI knew before the election that Iranian hackers had gained access to the identities of 100,000 voters in one state and then used those identities to try to alter the outcome of the election, targeting Republicans. It was not a perfect election. It wasn't a secure election. And who knows what we don't know, right? Well, the second big lie. Just days before the final presidential debate, 51 Intel veterans signed and released a letter declaring that emails from Hunter Biden's laptop that were published by the New York Post were Russian disinformation, that the Russians were interfering in the 2020 presidential election. Big tech social media, and corporate news outlets then refused to cover the story at all. And Joe Biden used that letter in the final debate as a shield against President Trump's valid charges of Biden corruption. Here's the fact. It wasn't Russian disinformation. It was Obama intelligence chief's disinformation. They were the ones lying. And those 51 Intel veterans acted as operatives to intervene in the 2020 election on behalf of Joe Biden. They purposely and knowingly lied to the American people to put Biden in the White House. The third big lie, the biggest among the three, Attorney General William Barr declared in December of 2020, There was no need for a special counsel to investigate either the election or Hunter Biden. 
Well, here's the fact. Not only was there a definite need for investigations, but Bill Barr knew that the intel letter was a lie. He knew that it wasn't Russian disinformation. He also knew that Joe Biden had lied to the American people in that final debate about his son, his emails, and charges of corruption. Yet Barr refused to inform the American people of those lies, claiming he didn't want to be accused of intervening in the election. Imagine that. He didn't want to intervene. But through his silence, Barr intervened in the election for Biden. Barr also knew that Hunter Biden was under federal investigation throughout the entire time. Barr could hardly have been more cowardly and deceitful. Barr might as well have been a co-conspirator against President Trump. I had to get that off my chest, folks, because the disinformation campaign is raging, and I suspect the radical Dems, the Marxist left, and the deep state are going to raise the level of that disinformation campaign against Americans. But those three big lies, and I suspect, but I can't prove that all of them were orchestrated by the same person or persons. I'm working on that. But I'll be sharing these three big lies with you from time to time, just so that none of us ever forget what happened in 2020, ever. Well, a step forward to report to you today in Pennsylvania, where Republican Senate candidate Dave McCormick conceded to Dr. Mehmet Oz, who is now the presumptive Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate seat from which Senator Pat Toomey is retiring. Oz will face dim Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman in November. Well, let's turn now to this year's elections, and there are some remarkable candidates running. Some you may not have heard of, and they're worth you knowing about because they have the potential to help get this great country of ours moving in the right direction. There's a special Republican primary Senate election in Oklahoma for the Senate seat held by Jim Enhoff, who is retiring at the end of the year. Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen is one of the leaders in that race for the Republican nomination, and he's our guest here today. Mullen is a successful businessman. He's been in Congress since 2013, even had three professional bouts as a mixed martial arts fighter, and he won all three. He's also one of the congressmen who stood against rioters who were trying to force their way into the House chamber on January 6th, and he's a great American. Congressman Mullen, great to have you with us here on the Great America Show. Welcome. Thank you, Admiral and Lou. I appreciate it. Well, how's the race going? It's going great. I mean, it's it's honestly probably one of the most humbling things I've, I've ever done. I've never ran statewide before, and uh, the amount of support and uh, the, the amount of volunteers we have all across the state is just amazing. I mean, our numbers look great. We're we're more than 20 points ahead of anybody else that's in the race. Uh, we're out working on my, I've never, I've never showed up in a room and thought I was the smartest guy in the room, but I always told everybody I could outwork everybody in the room. And we are doing that. My team's doing that. And it's resonating with the, with the people of Oklahoma. And, and uh, I tell everybody, you know, we're taking the fight to Washington, D.C. D.C. shouldn't be influencing us. We need to be taking Oklahoma values and influence in Washington, D.C. And, and that way we can change America. So our website's Mullen for America, not just Mullen for Oklahoma, but we're, we're Mullen for America. Well, I, I like that because uh, everybody in this country really does need to change what Washington is 
and we sure as heck don't need any uh, <laughs> any export of what it is back to the to the states. It's it's uh, well a few Amen of the states. <laughs> a few of the states it wouldn't have much impact. They're in such a sorry shape to begin with. But let's let's go to uh, right now what you think is the most important issue facing uh, the Republican Party, uh, and I want to talk party politics here for just a minute. Then we'll move on to the to America. Yeah, you know one of the one of the biggest issues we have in our in in our party is is what are we where are we moving as a party? Right, we for the first time since Ross Perot was on the ticket, uh, we have independents leading the Democrat Party and coming to coming to, to, to the Republican party. Right. And, and then we, we, we have an opportunity to grow our party at this point, not just, not just by a little bit, by really including individuals that haven't always lined up necessarily with us, but we have an opportunity to educate those individuals because we all make decisions based on two things, the way we're raised, which never changes, but, in, but our life experiences do. So our life experiences make those decisions. And, and we are able to really get back this country because the country was sold a bill of goods that they didn't understand. They got bought into this socialism. They bought into this capitalism is bad. Uh, they bought into the fact that our, our country, especially the younger generation, our country needed to change. And everybody that was successful was greedy. And they realized that it, it, that is failing our country in a huge way. Those policies are not being productive, and they're seeing the the Biden inflation take place. They're seeing GDP drop. Uh, they're seeing their bring home pay, even though they said we're going to raise minimum wage, but they're bringing home less because of guess what? The prices go up when you do that. They're realizing this, and they're they're looking for something. They're hungry for it, and we have as a party, we have an opportunity to really take this back and win this fight against socialism because the, the Democrats have unmasked themselves, Lou. They they've totally taken the mask off. And they, they show what Reagan was was warning us about back in the 80s when he was talking about communism and, and the socialist takeover, the socialism that's coming along with it. Now they And now they've taken that mask off and they went full-blown. They're all in, and they can't back away from it. And we have an opportunity to really grow our republic, to really grow this democracy if we're willing to take the time and educate these individuals and not just, not just push them off because one time they disagreed with us. Well, I'm, I'll put it straightforwardly. I, I believe that the Republican Party better be uh, the Trump Party, the America First Party, the Make America Great Party, or the Republican Party is just going to be another sorry gathering of uh, country club uh, wusses uh, trying to figure out uh, how to keep disguising their, their, their form of socialism and the fact that they're more Democrat than they are Republican. What do you think? You're you're absolutely correct. If we, you know, a lot of times Republicans, we just want to be left alone. I, I'm no different. I never, I never dreamed I'd ever be involved in politics. I, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't who I was. I, I just got fed up one day. I have a saying, you're never going to change anything you're willing to tolerate. And I was tolerating the, 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 the absolute overbearing regulations of the federal government and even the state uh, uh, government coming in and, and regulating our businesses out of control. I mean, I tell everybody that, that Washington, D.C., government was never designed to create jobs. It's, it's, it's designed to create an opportunity for entrepreneurs, for go-getters, for world changers to create those jobs. And as a Republican Party, we, just, we sometimes just want to be kind of left alone, like, don't bother me, we'll go away. It's not okay to be that way. It's not okay to be passive anymore. We got to take the fight to them. It's it's not okay that they show up and they let they become the 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 silent we be, we're the silent majority and they become 
the yet the one that everybody pays attention to because they're taking time off of whatever they're doing and they're letting their voices be heard. Now, I, gr- I granted we got to fight against the social media and and the the left leaning liberal media too, but we have to stand up and go to work. We got to take our country back, and Donald Trump did that. Donald Trump was willing to stand up and fight. And there isn't another president could have, that, that, that we've ever had that I believe could have stand up or stood up underneath that type of pressure. I mean, he's the See, first I, president, I guess, in our history, other than George Washington, that actually cost him money when he went to, 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 to the presidency. He didn't get wealthy after he left. He was wealthy before he left. And Forbes said that his net worth dropped by over $600 million just because he decided to serve our country. The great fact uh, about Donald Trump is... He promised everybody what he would do. He went in in four years, he did it. And incredibly, the American people couldn't stand uh, his rough edges uh, and his straight ahead approach. And I have to tell you, I think that uh, there's much blame to be spread around. Uh, uh, William Barr, his attorney general, refused to tell the American people that Vice President Biden was lying through his daggum teeth in the second and final debate in 2020. And he changed the outcome of the, the election. There's no doubt about it. William Barr changed history and cheated Donald Trump and cheated the American people. But we also know the Democrats cheated. They changed laws. We've got you know we've got voting seasons instead of voting days. We got mail-in ballots. I mean, we've got every kind of game going on. And the Republicans, you talk about passive. Uh, they're beyond passive. I mean, they are mushrooms. I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying is that it's hard to put yourself in that mindset. So you can't think about being a cheater if you not if you don't think like a cheater is what I'm getting to. You can't you can't. It's hard for you to even fathom what is capable if you're not in that mindset. You know, the best way to catch a thief is is by a thief. The best way to catch a cheater is with a cheater because they think that way. And and if you don't, you just can't get there. And I think a lot of times we were guilty of being, as you said, passive because it's not. As Republican, a lot of times it's just not what we think of, and so yeah. we have we have woke up. We've learned a, a lot. Now, voter integrity is is huge. Election integrity is huge, and and we we have worked with states. Uh, we have we have worked with trying to change state laws. You know, a lot of times people get confused that they want the federal government, they want D.C. to do something about it. It's the last thing we need is D.C. to do anything about our election laws. Uh, that, Amen. That's called federal takeover at that point. We need to make sure we work with the states and strengthen the state laws. And we've done that. I mean, you saw in Georgia where we had the highest turnout in, in history on uh, on their voter turnout for a primary election. And, of course, uh-huh. what you saw was Stacey Abrams go out there and said, well, that doesn't that doesn't mean that they didn't suppress the vote of the most the, the most vulnerable. Like, like what? You said that well, you were going to suppress the voter turnout, and we had larger turnout, and now you're still making an excuse because we supposedly attacked the most vulnerable? Um, yeah. Where did the extra votes come from then? Because you you, you got all well, the votes you needed to win the election. So tell me where the, where the other votes come out, because we had large we had, we had the, large, the largest turnout than what you had. I mean, you look look at the people involved. In the effort to impeach the president over twice in his term, look at the number of uh, lawyers in the Congress and the Senate. Look at the number of lawyers involved in the deep state involved in this entire sham, this effort to overthrow a sitting president. And you know what they have in common? They're a whole bunch of lawyers. 
So I, I'm not so sure you're too far from the criminal class when you start talking to a lawyer. And Republicans, they got a bunch of lawyers working for them, too, don't they? Well, oh, well, of course we do. You have to. Everything you do today, you got to have lawyers. And there's some good ones and there's some bad ones. And so we all, we all know that every time I have to pay an attorney bill, I feel like that's the bad guy. But yet I hired him. You know, I, and so there's good ones and there's bad ones. But this, is, this brings me to something that I've always said, Luke. That if you're ever going to change Washington D.C., then that means we got to start changing the resume we send there. You know, because if if your if your resume is is that you've only uh, you've only been in a certain field, you only you've only been an attorney, or you've only been a uh, a politician, then you're only going to think that way. And if you're thinking that way, then you're not you're not what you would really consider a citizen legislator. If, if you are an ex business owner and you're not operating businesses a day, you don't know what it's like. If you're not coming home and living under those same rules, you don't know what it's like. And so, if you're ever going to change DC, then we got to start changing the people we send there. And that means we need people to to stand up, good people to stand up and run for office. And I think we see that. I think you're seeing that in the Republican Party that That's average right. individuals are standing up and running now, not just your your recycled politicians. Do you think there ought to be a litmus test? Are you America first? Are you make America great again? Are you a Trump Republican? Uh, because, you know, that's what he's doing. He's a hundred. He's won a hundred uh, endorsements. He's won those races. I believe he's lost something like six. Uh, that's one of the, that is the most incredible. Of course, they only talk about the six that he lost, right? <laughs> of, of course, you know, he, he's not, he's yeah. not Stradamus, but they want him to be able to read, uh, you know, tea leaves too. Uh, the, the, the left-wing media is a bunch of creeps uh, and they work for corporates, uh, corporate, uh, Marxist in point of fact, who support BLM and Tifa. Everybody knows that there's no game here. Now, everybody, just as you said, everybody's waking up. And this is a puppet president run by a bunch of Marxists, and you can figure out the names, but we do have the only ex-president living in D.C. still, and that would be Mr. Barack Obama, who seems to have a bigger influence within the White House than does uh, Joe Biden. That's understandable, given the state of uh, uh, Joe Biden's mind, the mind. But, but it's right. not okay, uh, given the consent of the governor. Yeah, you know, a litany test. I tell everybody, a litany test is is what we do in a campaign. That, that's what we have. That's what we have forms for. That we have, we have debates for. That's why we're supposed to make ourselves available and get in front of the people, right? That's that's what Joe Biden didn't do. Joe Biden wasn't in front of the people. He was he was preordained before the election even started. Yep. And uh, and and so no really nobody really got to see him because they protected him because they knew what type of mindset he was in. Uh, but the, I, I think as a Republican Party, you better be supporting the president. Now, that better be important because it, it, you may like it or not like it. It depends on who you are. Me personally, I like his style. I liked what he did. I thought he, he made a business decision. He went out there. He wasn't trying to play politics. That's not what we do in the business world. In the business world, we don't play politics. Let's get the job done and move forward. And, and, and career politicians in Washington, D.C., they it drove them nuts. I mean, it literally drove them nuts. And I was like, no, I get it. I understand exactly what he's doing. I don't want to have a meeting for the sake of having a meeting. I don't want to have a dog and pony show with people here. Let's be productive, move down the road. And, and the, the people of Washington, D.C., that just drove them nuts. The, po the political world couldn't understand what he was trying to do. But if, if you're not willing to say, yeah, let's well, put I think, America I, I, first. Congressman, I America, think they understood very well. I think they understood very well. Oh, that's, well why, that's why the Russian hoax was yeah. put together. The October surprise, 
That's why there were two impeachments against him and FBI investigations, including the special counsel investigation that went on forever. That's why he's being harassed from every jurisdiction by in blue states by left wing. I mean, we know why, because they can control it. Yeah. And that's and that's seven years. If anybody's counting, that's seven years of persecution for a man, his family and many of his administration who were trying to do the right thing, did the right thing accomplished more in four years than any president since Abraham Lincoln. And he has to put up with a bunch of belly aching, phony left wingers. It's crazy. And, and he sacrificed, he sacrificed so much. Do you have a, do you have a time for me to tell you a quick story about the president, about president Trump? You betcha. Um, and it, it, so I, um, you know, it, it, you, you can judge a lot about a man and his family, right? We see a lot of successful people, that, uh, that their kids just didn't turn out so well. Uh, they just didn't spend time with them. You know, I tell everybody, my, my priorities are God's family and then everybody else. And the president, his kids love him. You know, they'll do anything for him. It, you can see how close they are. And they were raised privileged, but they were raised to know how to work. And he took time for them. Regardless of how busy this guy was, he always took time for them. Well, my son, in January 20th, or uh, January 17th of 2020, he had a he had a dramatic brain injury. Uh, we lost him. He had severe oxygen depletion. Uh, he came back, uh, but he had he had to relearn everything. This is this kid was uh, a world class athlete, literally world class athlete. Wrestled all over the world, seventeen and zero internationally. Uh, one of the best kids in the nation. Uh, and I'm not just saying it because he's my son. This is just him. So the when he woke up, when he came out of it, uh, he had a he couldn't even touch his nose. He had to learn how to walk again. He he had to learn how to to read and. And and right, he was doing trig in school, and he had to learn everything. And um, we didn't keep it hid from him at all. Well, the president found out about it because when he came out of it, they started him asking questions. Lee, they said, um, "What's your name?" He didn't know. What year it is? They didn't know. They asked him who I was. He could, he knew who I was, but he couldn't pick dad with it. Um, they asked him uh, what happened. He couldn't tell him. They asked him who the president was, and he got this cocky grin on his face. And I kid you not, he said Trump. And everybody <laughs> laughed because that was the only question he got right. Well, the president found out about that, and the president called me tough guy, and he's like, let me get this right. Let me get this right, tough guy. He knew who I was, but he didn't know who you was, and he thought that was hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. So the president took a very special interest in him, and we were in Bakersfield at the Center for Neural Skills all of 2020 and most of 2021, and I was with my son. I stayed with him. We have six kids, so my wife stayed back in Oklahoma with the other kids because my son had to have assistance to every rehab every time he went to switch classes every 45 minutes, which we did 10 to 12 hours rehab a day at the center for neural skills, which are just outstanding individuals. And uh, it was a tough time, but it was an awesome time too. But the president, uh, he called all the time. He would check on me, offered so much stuff. He offered to even help finance at one time. And I was like, sir, we're good. We've got this. But he's like, can I, can I do something for you? He offered to send a plane for my family to fly them out so they could see us. Um, He ended up, he said, I'd love to meet him. And, and so I said, well, you can't travel. And he says, well, I'll come to him. So he came to Bakersfield. He did a rally course when he came to Bakersfield in the middle of the rally, he saw Jim out there in the, in the audience and he stopped, he stopped right in the middle of the rally. Now there, you know, his cameras went everywhere. Cameras went everything ever with him. He pulled Jim on stage and just started just, I mean, he didn't care who all was there. Lou, he just knelt down. Here's the most powerful man in the, in the, in the, in the world knelt down because my son's five foot three because it stunted his growth. And so he's never going to be any taller than that. And, and the president's a big guy and he leaned, leaned down and just loved on him in front of everybody. And I thought, Oh my goodness, here's the guy that he doesn't have to do this. And he, he the most important thing to him right now is my son. 
my son. And, and then he, he turned to the crowd and he told just a short story about what was going on with Jim. And if, they, if Obama would have done that, if Biden would do anything, it would have been all over the national news. I mean, everybody would want to know who this kid is. And, and oh, my goodness, did you see the heart of the president and all this stuff? Not one story other than local ran a story on this. But after that, Lou, he took us to the back and he was talking to us. And his handlers were saying, sir, we got to go. We got to go. We got we got to go. And, Jim, and, he, and I, it was just me, Jim. And, and the president, and we were in the back room, and his handlers were saying, sir, we've got to go. And, and the president wasn't talking to me. He only talked to Jim. He was encouraging him. He sat down beside him. He was poking him on the chest and just telling him what kind of man he's going to be. And, and this isn't the end of it. He's going to recover from this. And at this time, my son was still having severe short-term memory loss. This is the first memory that he remembers is this, is the president speaking into him. And That's his nice. handlers one time turned around, or he turned around, and he looked at his handlers, and he pointed at them. He says, I guarantee you that plane won't leave without me. <laughs> and he turned back around, and he just spent another 10 minutes just talking to my son. And, that, and this was two and a half months after the accident, and this was his first long-term memory that he got. That's and this weird. is the president that we had. He cared for my son. He didn't have to. It wasn't for a dog and pony show. It wasn't for publicity. It's because that's who he is, and you can see that with his kids and his grandkids. And there wasn't very seldom a week that went by that the president wasn't calling and checking on him. Yeah, He didn't do that for any other reason, but that's who he is. And so when he says he loves America, when he says make America great again, Lou, that's something he believes in every fiber of his body. And he's willing to do whatever it takes for it because he loves this country just like he loves his kids. And, he, and honestly, the way he loved on my son, and I, I'll never forget it as long as I live. That'll be a memory that I always, always, always stick with me and my boy. How's your son doing? He's doing great. I mean, you know, it's been a long road. He's changing. He's not wrestling anymore, unfortunately, uh, but he's still a heck of an athlete in certain areas. Um, he still struggles. He was a math genius, but he, he still struggles with that. He still struggles with writing a little bit, but he's a hardworking kid. And he, when, when, we, when we went through the rehab, the, the first initial uh, testing, and, um, and they told us the, how bad it, what it really was. It broke me. I mean, I was crying like a baby. I've never cried so much in my right. life. I can only and, imagine. Uh, Jim and I, we walked outside and he goes, uh, I said, Jim, how you feeling? And he says, well, dad, quote, dad, I learned it once. I can learn it again. And I was like, amen to that. Let's go. And we went through 18 months of rehab. They said it was going to be three years. We were, we were back at grade level in, in 10 months. And, uh, um, totally released in 18 months. I mean, so it was, outstanding. It's been, it was tough, but, but we're good. I, uh, we can all only imagine how tough it was on you, your family, uh, and Jim, uh, what a wonderful story. I'm, I'm so glad we've, uh, got to hear it and thank you for that. Congressman. Uh, we, uh, you know, just, just so you know, uh, we think pretty highly on this uh, podcast of, uh, president Trump. Uh, I think there are tens of millions of folks who do as well. And you know what? I love one more story about the man who actually saved this country. I truly believe uh, with four years in Washington, D.C. at a great sacrifice and cost to him. And I am thrilled. Uh, and uh, talk about strength. I'm thrilled that he is willing to even consider uh, running for president again against all of the opposition uh, the skullduggery and the vicious and evil forces that are arrayed against him. We've evil. got, we've evil. got, I use the word evil. You're right. 
Congressman, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Come back soon. Uh, we enjoy talking. Absolutely. With you. Anytime you invite us on, we'd love to be there. I, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing for the country, getting the message out. Lou, you're, you're a true American patriot and a hero, so I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Mark Wayne Mullen, candidate for the U.S. Senate. Tomorrow, one of the bravest people you would ever hope to meet. A Force Recon Marine, eight deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, a mixed martial arts professional champion, president of Mighty Oaks Foundation, and the Mighty Oaks Warriors programs. What a remarkable man is Chad Robichaud. He is our guest here tomorrow. He's saved thousands of lives in Afghanistan and in Ukraine, risking his own throughout. He's here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.